Well, God is good. And all the time. Yes. And uh, before we uh, get into God's Word, you know that uh, traditionally we love to do meet and greet. And because uh, we're being uh, very careful, our meet and greet uh, really is two parts. The first part is you get to turn around and wave and put a big smile on your face as you say hi to people around you. So you can do that right now. Just turn around and say good morning. And so that, that's phase one. And uh, Pat, where's the, uh, there he is. And phase two is you get to meet and greet everybody at home. Uh, so there's Isaac. He's going to pan that camera. You can say hi and put a big wave and say hi to everyone at home for the meet and greet. There you go. Thank you, Isaac. It is good to be with you on January 10th, 2021. And uh, we're blessed. Uh, You know, this is, I think, uh, Tyler, correct me, this is our biggest gathering. This is the biggest gathering we've had in person. Amen, right? And... uh, Over the course of uh, the nine months in 2020, uh, the tech crew did a great job getting the cameras and live streaming. Now, yes, right? If you're enjoying that, hello again. And uh, we we now, uh, honestly, our uh, I would say our our church family size, our congregation size is really. it's crazy, right? Uh, the pandemic, and we can't meet here, but we grow as a church. Uh, we have people up north. Uh, we have people in San Diego. Uh, I think still Arizona. We, we, God is just moving. And, and you know, uh, he does work all things for the good. He truly does. So welcome again to everyone uh, joining us live stream and those that will be listening later in the week. Uh, if you were here last Sunday, we began Uh, the new year, and the title of the sermon, anyone remember? Good to go, go, right? Good to go in 2021. And uh, good to go in 2021 was based on John 16, and uh, those verses last week where it says this, Jesus is talking to his disciples before his arrest, crucifixion, resurrection, and he's preparing them for what lies ahead. And in John 16, we saw last week, he says this, behold, the hour is coming, Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me, everyone say, in me, me. you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And we looked at that in depth. Uh, as we launched into 2021 as a prep, kind of a preparation. Jesus is saying, hey, you're going to have tribulation, but take heart, be of good courage, have confidence, not in yourself, but in me, because I have overcome the world. Amen? Amen. Right? And I, and I bring that up because, you know, we, we talked about this and God ministered on Sunday. And just a few days later, some pretty big events happened in this country. And I'm guessing that many of you and many of you at home, if you stay up on current events, uh, you were challenged, shaken, scared, confused, angry, distressed, depressed. Anyone all of the above? There you go, right? And in that, where did you go? What did you do? Did you remember John 16, 32 and 33, 
that despite what you're seeing on your computer screen or TV, that three days earlier, two, three days earlier, we were good to go. Because circumstances don't dictate how good to go we are. Because Jesus has overcome the world. And if we're in Christ, regardless of the circumstance, we're good to go. And yet through that, in the very real sense, you know, sometimes they, people think that, oh, you Christians, you just bury your head in the sand and, and it's all pie in the sky and you're just a bunch of cliche Christians and, you know, let God, let, you know, no, no. Mature Christians will look at the world squarely in the face and say, I'm good to go in Christ. I have peace in Christ, right? We don't, we don't run from the world. It's in the world that we find true peace, true joy, true comfort, true courage in Christ. And sometimes you have to navigate that. And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you here. I want to encourage you at home. It's okay to navigate it. It's okay to call a brother and sister in Christ and say, how are you doing with this? Because I'm, 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 I'm a little rocked right now. I'm a little, I'm, I'm a little shaken, you know? I don't know what's going to happen with the economy. I don't know what's going to happen with my job. I don't know what's going to happen with the, the, the pandemic. You know, and, and it's very real issues. And the good news is that the very real issues we face, God has already dealt with them. And he's given us everything we need through his word, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the church to navigate these times victoriously. Amen? Okay, and, and I shared with you last Sunday, one of the things that we can do, you can do on the front end of 2021 is commit, drive the stake in the ground to be connected to the church, Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, right? Don't forsake the gathering. In this verse, you know, the, when you see these events on TV, it's easy to get scattered. You get scared, you want to stay home, you don't know who to talk to, and you kind of withdraw, and it's crazy because sometimes the circumstances in our life actually result in us doing the very opposite thing that we should be doing. We get scared, we turn inward, we get very feelings-driven, and we pull away from the church when, truth be known, the very thing we need to do in those circumstances is engage the church. Despite what you feel, despite you know, uh, how overwhelming it might be, what you really need to do is drive the stake in the ground and say, I need the church. I need to be encouraged. I need to be loved. I need to be prayed for. I need a place where I can be honest about my, my doubts, my fears, my shortcomings. And so I want to encourage you again, the second week of 2021, drive the stake in the ground. Be connected to the body of Christ. Now, we understand the sensitivity uh, that not everyone can be here, and that's 100% fine. All of your circumstances are, are unique to you. There's no guilt or condemnation if you have to do it via live stream. I know many of you on live stream are ministered to through that technology. We still consider you connected to the church family. Amen? Amen. Okay, because it's a heart issue. And, and I just want to encourage you, as we move forward, you know, I shared with the leadership team, we meet at 8 o'clock on Sundays, and, and because of the events of this week and, um, you know, uh, how we do church and we're supposed to give you a new sermon every Sunday and we're, going, we're in a series on Ephesians and some of you are like, what happened to Ephesians, you know? Um, I just want to encourage you, we're, we're going to get back to Ephesians this morning, um, but I'm always sensitive to what's happening in the culture, what's happening in the country, what's happening in the world. And, and sometimes, um, you know, I may prep a sermon and, and like I told the guys this morning, the guys, the guys and girls, I said, 
I'm not sure. I got it ready to go, but sometimes we just need to worship. Sometimes we just need to be still and know that he is God. Sometimes, you know, I, I study and I put it aside and I'm like, okay, let's just address this issue that happened this week. And it's fine. So I want to encourage you. Um, it's not just this hard and fast rule around here. We're going to Ephesians, you know, just because we said we were. Um, I'm always trying to listen. I'm always trying to say, Lord, uh, what does the church need? What does the church family need? Where are we as a country? Where are we as a church? And so there may be times where we do a few weeks of Ephesians and we take a break. Um, it's just trying to be trying to be real, trying to be trying to be uh, right in the moment, right in the spirit. Amen. Amen. Okay. That being said. If you were with us before the holidays, we were in the book of Ephesians, right? Now, Ephesians uh, was written by the Apostle Paul to believers. Very important. You've got to put it in context again. Quick review. It's a letter to believers in the city of Ephesus and the surrounding region, okay? Chapters 1, 2, and 3, we know we're doctrinal. It talks about our position in Christ and all the blessings we enjoy because we're in Christ. A great verse, Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Everyone say every. 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 In Christ, if you're a believer, you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. It's like the spiritual lotto, right? People are getting all excited about, what is it, half a billion dollars? You know, the big lotto number, the Powerball that's happening right now. Well, quite honestly, we've been given every spiritual blessing. You hit the spiritual lotto when you put your faith in Jesus right? And uh, so one, two, and three were doctrinal, laying a great foundation. Four through six are what we call practical, okay? And the transition verse was 4.1. It says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So what he basically was saying in this transition verse is, all right, one, two, and three, very doctrinal, all the blessings, In four, five, and six, I want you to live a life like scales that match, okay? Let your conduct match your creed. Let your beliefs match your behavior. That's what he's talking about. If you want to have a walk worthy of the calling, simply live in balance with who you are in Christ. Just let that come out, okay? And so we've walked through that with chapter four, uh, five, and what we've uh, got to before the holidays kicked in was this, we're on this uh, verge, right, of uh, what we call biblical submission. Everyone go, ooh, right? All right, okay, that's kind of, okay, I'm going to say biblical submission, everyone go, ooh, right? Because it's just one that's that word, right? So biblical submission. All right, that's pretty good. All right. to 21. Let's set, the, let's set the context. It says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And we're going to see, you know, this, he launches into wives and husbands, children and parents, uh, masters and slaves. But in verse 21, he says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so we're laying this framework. Even today, we're going to just kind of lay more uh, framework because we have to really understand biblical submission. We saw before 
that in verse 18, back on December 13th, if you're going to biblically, biblically submit to one another, it's got to be a, a work of the Holy Spirit. It's got to, it's, it's got to be a work of the Holy Spirit. It says be filled. To, to be filled, we saw, is to be controlled. Okay? So if a walking in the Spirit, bearing the fruit of the Spirit, means in your life you choose to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. You got to be controlled by the Holy Spirit if truly you're going to live out this submission to one another. Okay? Because how many of you, honest, when you hear the word submission, doesn't really rock your world? Right? It's kind of like, ugh, right? And, and so we have to understand, I'm going to encourage you, whatever it makes you feel, the world, whatever your experiences are with this word submitting, you got to put it aside because we're going to look at it. What, what does the Bible teach about submission? What does the Bible teach about submission? Okay? Very important because, uh, like I said, you know, it's not a, in, in our culture, okay, this is the cultural sense of it, it's not a very popular word. Submit, right? Kind of like the, the kingdom kids, right? You get this, like maybe this militaristic sense where you're being ordered and you're forced to submit, right? Or if you follow uh, mixed martial arts, the UFC, right? And, and, and you know, someone gets pinned and, and they get and put this chokehold and right about before they pass out, they tap out, right? And, and they went, what does happen? He got submitted, right? And so we get this sense where you say, oh, you know, biblical submission, oh, here we go. You know, force me to do something, you know. And, and how many of you in, in your flesh grew up, maybe still present tense, have a little bit of an issue with authority? <laughs> little bit of a rebel, right? How many of you growing up, they said, like, don't touch that, and you waited, and you touched it? <laughs> Anyone, right? Or like Bill has said, you know, when, when you give Bill the, the line not to cross, some people keep a good distance from that line. Brother Bill gets as close as he can to that line. Right to the line, right? right? Amen, right? So, so depending on your experiences, your bent, right? This word submission in our culture can be kind of challenging. Uh, you know, many of you know that I went to UCLA and I come from a military family. My dad was in the Navy. My brother graduated from the Naval Academy. And so I was in college and I thought, you know, this ROTC thing, maybe you just follow the family. I'm just going to explore becoming an officer and, you know, go ROTC. Even went so far as got the application and I think I filled it out. And then it sat in my dorm room because I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it, Brenda. Every time I thought of handing that packet to the recruiter, my freedom was going away. And I was a college guy that liked my freedom and independence and liked to do what I wanted to do on my time. And I know you can't boss me around, you know, and, and it, I was drawn to the military, but in the end, I couldn't do it because I just couldn't give up. At that stage in my life, I couldn't give it up. I, I just, it just, you know, I just couldn't, I, I was just too much large and in charge. And this idea of submitting to the military code at that stage is a, what's a 21, 22, it just... Just, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't know what happened to that packet, but never made it to the recruiter. Um, so we're going to look at biblical submission, recognizing. Let's just be honest. That's a tough word. And unfortunately, even in the church, it's been used, abused, 
misused, and um, doesn't have a good reputation. So I'm going to ask you, uh, as best as you can, uh, recognizing our humanness, let's just look at it biblically. Let's try to wipe the slate clean. This is God's word about what it means to biblically submit. Okay, so so the word is hupatasso. If you're into the Greek, right? Everyone, if you want to try it, say hupatasso. Okay, so it means literally to place under, and and it's interesting because he says submitting to one another. It's present tense. It's something we're to do continually. Now, what's 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 right off the bat different about hupatasso is I choose to voluntarily place myself under authority. Okay, so again, culturally, submission is you submit. Uh, it's something you're forced to do. In these verses, even when he talks about wives and husbands, hupatasso is a voluntary, a voluntary, I initiate placing myself under somebody's authority. Huge difference right there. It's something you and I are commanded to do voluntarily. I mean, we, we choose it. Okay, submission is a choice. That's what it means. Okay. And, and it doesn't mean this. There's a couple things, very important. Because, you know, it talks about wives and husbands, and if you're familiar with the passage, he goes into children and parents and slaves and masters. Hupotasso does not, okay? Everyone say not. not. Hupotasso does not mean obey. <coughs> Hupotasso means submit which is a voluntary placing. I voluntarily place myself under somebody's authority. But the word for obey, where the Apostle Paul uses it with children, obey your parents and, mas- and slaves, obey your masters, that's a different Greek word. Hupakuo. Okay? So again, this is where the word biblical submission has been misused because husbands have equated submission with obedience. Amen, right? We got, we got a yes in the back, right? Right? So, what that means, and we're probably going to get more amens coming up here, right? Hupatasso does not mean wives or women are doormats. All right? Hupatasso does not mean wives or women are to be bossed around. All the guys are like, well, what does it mean then? <laughs> You're about to be married pretty soon, Paul. You're like perked up. I got I to gotta take notes on this one. <laughs> right? Hupakuo, right? But not hupatasso. Okay. So, so we have to understand. Huge distinction. Okay. Hupatasso is a voluntary placing under authority. Hupakuo is obedience with a hierarchy. Very, very different. Very, very different. We are called to hupatasso one another. Ephesians 5.21 says, submitting to one another. He's talking to the whole church. So turn to the person next to you and just smile because you're supposed to hupatasso to them. <laughs> well, yeah, right? Remember, 21 is saying, he says to one another, not he hasn't even got to the wives and husbands. This is submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. The other very important thing about this, and, and if you're a history buff or you like church history, you'll appreciate this. In the culture that this was written, Jewish culture, Roman culture, Greek culture, women, wives at that time had 
zero to very little rights. In that culture, they were treated as possessions. The legal system was all against them. Okay? That's the culture that this was written into. Hupatasso means men and women are equal. It's not an inferiority word at all. Okay, let me, let me sh- uh, share this. It's by Ray Stedman. It's, it's very important, and, and he addresses this head on. He says this, Submit has become the focus of the feminist movement and is probably one of the most hated words among women today. The meaning has been grossly distorted. Many wrong things have been done in the name of submission. Perhaps the first thing that needs to be said about submission is that it does not cancel out equality. Although it is addressed here to wives, it is not a female word in the Bible, but is addressed to men as well. Thus, it is not a sexist word. Everyone must submit to other people. In Ephesians 5.21, Paul says Christians are to submit to one another, one to another. It's a word of equality. And again, this is where you got to remember, we're looking at biblical submission, not cultural. And, and it may take a bit for you to kind of unwind the two, okay? Think about this. This letter comes to Ephesus. He uses hupotasso, and all the women and men are stunned. Stunned. Because now they are to be treated on equal levels. This was so countercultural, it was revolutionary. This, this, this mind-boggled the culture of that time, that suddenly men and women are to be treated equally on equal standing. This is scripture. This is the Bible. This is biblical teaching through the power of the Holy Spirit, turning the world upside down in how men and women are treated and how, to, how they're to view each other in that culture. Okay, so, so you, in a sense, you got to celebrate this, amen? <laughs> this is a thing to celebrate. He's turned, he's, he's, this is a direct flipping of what was going on in that culture, completely accepted. Women are possessions. Women have no rights. Along comes Ephesians. He's like, nope, hupotasso, men and women are equal. They're to submit in equality to each other. So again, half the crowd's cheering and half the crowd is like, what? <laughs> what? That's what's going on. You have to understand the context and appreciate this, right? Dr. Wayne Barber says this, Hupatasso, the word used for wives to husbands, is a word that talks about two people who are absolutely equal in God's eyes. Totally equal. There is not one level of inferiority of one to the other. But the wife makes a choice to place herself as an equal underneath another equal, her husband, in order that there can be order and function in the family. The whole purpose of it is so that it meets the design that God has already ordered. So it's very important you understand God is the creator of the family, has set it up in a way to function. Okay? It's not an equality issue. It's not superiority, inferiority. It's just how God has set it up to function according to his design. Okay? And so we understand that the definition of it. And then in verse 21, it says, we do it out of reverence for Christ. We're to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And you're like, what? And that's an important phrase because my submission to you, Maria, to you, Betty, is rooted and comes from my reverence, my submission to God, first and foremost. So here's, here's the application as we move into this. 
If you're struggling in this area of what we call horizontal submission, submission in, in the realm of human relationships, it might be because you're struggling with submission to God. Because if you struggle this way, pretty good chance you're going to struggle this way. Right? And so we have to look back. And I was thinking, of how, how, do we, how do we kind of unpack this and lay some good framework for understanding submission this way? Okay? Well, you have to go back to the nature of your relationship as you sit here, if you're a believer, your covenant relationship with the Lord through faith in Jesus. Because, again, you've heard us in the last 10 years, every once in a while I'll speak about covenant because here we don't have membership, we have covenant. And that's based on biblical covenants. And if you don't understand covenant, you kind of can get twisted and kind of tied up in knots about what it means to follow Jesus. Okay? Because sometimes you hear, how many of you have ever heard the phrase, uh, Christianity, it's not a religion, it's a relationship? You ever hear that? Right? Kind of true, right? True, right? in the sense that we're not following rules to get to all that kind of stuff. The question is, what, what kind of relationship is it? Okay, it's a relationship. Is it casual? Is it Jesus is my buddy? Right? Is it, is it, a, is it a convenient relationship? Is it a relationship that's just crisis-driven? See, what kind of relationship do you have as you sit here with the Lord? And biblically... You have a covenant relationship. And you have to understand covenant. You have to understand the nature of this if you're going to go submission this way and the submission this way, right? So what is a covenant? Quick review. The notion of a covenant is unfamiliar today. But the concept of covenant is utterly basic to our understanding of Scripture. In Old Testament times, this complex concept was the foundation of social order and social relations. And it was particularly the foundation for an understanding of humanity's relationship with God. Fred Lowry, the concept of covenant is the key to understanding all relationships with God, our families, our friends, and especially our mates. God loves us by covenant. He provides for us by covenant. He blesses us by covenant. He operates in our lives by covenant. In reality, every truly valuable thing in life is ours because of covenant. Okay, and it's, again, not a word that you hear much these days. Uh, if you want to go back in our sermon library, there, we've done series on it here to help us understand because the nature of covenant plays out to the choices you and I are going to make when we leave here because you're in a covenant relationship with the Lord. Now, through faith in Jesus, it's called the new covenant, right? Hebrews 8, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds. Write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, know the Lord because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. He's speaking about the new covenant. And then in Luke 22, Jesus himself says, and likewise the cup after they had eaten says, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. It's a covenant. Okay, so when you put your faith in Jesus, you're entering into a covenant. It's a relationship, but be very, be very clear. It's a covenant relationship, okay? Here's another quote. It says, a covenant is a bond in blood sovereignly administered. No such thing as bargaining, bartering, or contracting characterizes the divine covenants of Scripture. 
the sovereign Lord of heaven and earth dictates the terms of his covenant. Now, this is, this is where it gets real applicable to submission. Because if you've been with us before, you know that in the Bible, there's two words for covenant. Okay? When you and I negotiate an agreement, kind of like a contractual business agreement, that's called suntheki covenant, right? So go ahead, Ali, you can put that. Put up in the covenant, there's diatheki versus suntheki. Suntheki is two people negotiating, coming to an agreement, right? We negotiate it because we're equal. We're business partners. Okay, Maria, right? Diatheki is the word that describes what relationship you and I have right now with Jesus. It's not suntheki, it's diatheki, okay? So everyone say diatheki. Okay, so diatheki means this. There's two parties, but there's a greater and a lesser. And in a diatheki covenant, the greater sets the terms and the lesser has two options, accepted or rejected. There's no bargaining. There's no bargaining. So we're in a diatheki covenant from the get-go. And you're like, well, what do you mean by that? Many of us have never looked at John 3.16 or the gospel verses from a diatheki point of view, which means... God set the terms. We and the world either accepts them or rejects them. Okay? So listen to this. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Do you hear diatheki? God sets the terms, believing on Jesus. Or if you don't, you're condemned already. That, that's a diatheki statement. The greater is setting the terms, right? John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Do you see the diatheki? He's setting the terms. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this, not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. We love this verse, but do you see the diatheki in it? What is the greater, I leave that, what is, where does the greater say in that verse? We're saved through faith, not works. There's the terms. Grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone. Those are the terms. So the gospel, when you put your faith in Jesus, what you were really doing was agreeing to the terms that were set by the greater, God the Father. Amen? Amen. You did that at the get-go, and now he's just asking you to continue to live that out, to live your life on whose terms? His terms. Now, what happens is as we study the Bible and as we grow, we start out with that, woohoo, yes, Jesus, I get it. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You set the terms. It's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Amen. I agree to those terms. Woohoo. And then you come along this verse that says, forgive others. <laughs> and you're like, full stop. And then what we want to do is go from diatheki to suntheki. Well, Lord, let's talk about that. Let's negotiate that forgiveness passage right? So a lot of times our challenge as believers is those moments when we come across passages of scripture that we struggle with in the flesh and we go from diatheki simply, okay, I submit to the greater's terms and we turn it into suntheki. We start wanting to negotiate and we start trying to struggle through and rationalize and justify our disobedience. 
okay? That's just kind of part of the transformation sanctification. So maybe you're here, and maybe it is forgiveness, and you know the scripture, it says, forgive others as you have been forgiven. That's a diatheke statement, okay? If you're struggling with that, what you really should do is take your eyes off the person and say, Lord, help me to submit to you. Help me to place myself under you, God, in the area of forgiveness, Help my, in whatever area you might be struggling with in your area, say, Lord, the real issue is I need to place myself under your authority in this area and the power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's your thought life. Maybe it's your words. Whatever area, if you're struggling, it might be because you went to Suntheki and in the flesh, you're trying to negotiate with God when really what you do need to do is place yourself under him and surrender and submit. Okay? And so how do we do this? If you're struggling, how do we get to that place of just living like this, right? Because if you're like me, oftentimes we want to, right? How many of you go from here to here pretty quick, right? From like surrender to control, anyone, right? And then throughout the day, it could do this, right? Depending on what the issue is, right? Surrender, control, surrender. How do we stay here? Well, let's go back to the beginning. What are the greatest commandments? Matthew 22, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So if you're struggling with submission, biblical submission, go back to loving God. Just go back to loving him because he loved you first. Because if you love him, what does Jesus say in John 14? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. You see, a fruit of loving God is obedience. And here's the crazy thing, 1 John 5, 3, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. What? Isn't that crazy? You love God, you do your best to love God with all your heart, suddenly you want to obey. Suddenly it's not just drudgery and duty and, and God forcing you to do things, suddenly you want to obey. How many of you found in your walk with Jesus at a certain point, as a whole, you don't do it perfectly, how many of you want to obey God? All right, where did that come from? God transforming you, right? It is, Philippians says it is him who works in us to will and to do. It's him working in you. So here's the thing. You may not do it perfectly, but if you have a hunger and a desire to know the Lord, to even be here this morning here or on live stream, and you have a, a, just a, a base desire to walk in obedience, you got to celebrate God's at work in you. Amen? Because how many of you, before you knew Christ, you wouldn't be here on a Sunday morning sitting in a patio for a crying out loud? Right? Remember those times in your life you wanted nothing to do with God and you thought the Bible was silly and Christians were, you know, that, whatever you thought they were, and now you're one of them and you're reading that book and you're praying to that God and you, you right? How many, right? How many of you celebrate that transformation this morning? Just celebrate it. You got, come on. We get so used to this that sometimes we forget that we were the Daniels. Amen? Like we all, like Robert and Teresa come up here and we're like, oh, what a great story. No, it's your story. It's your story. If you're a believer, you're a Daniel, you have a Daniel story. Don't ever forget that, right? And you come back to your first love. If you're struggling this morning with some issue of, of submission, come back to your first love. Come back to loving God, right? David Guzik says this, his commandments are not burdensome. 
when we see how wise and good the commandments of God are. They are gifts from him to show us the best and most fulfilling life possible. God's commands are like the manufacturer's handbook for life. He tells us what to do because he knows how we work best. God's commands are not given to bind or to pain us or because God is like an irritated old man. His commandments are not burdensome because when we are born again, we are given new hearts. Hearts which by instinct wish to please God. As part of the new covenant, the law of God has been written on the heart of every believer. Amen. When you put your faith in Jesus, you're given a new heart. When it says you're a new creation, that word new, I shared with you before, it means never existed before. When you put your faith in Jesus, you became a never existed before Maria. And you became a never existed before Betty. And you became a never existed before, put your name there. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that awesome? Right? That's where we got to get to and that's where we got to be. And so before we take communion, we come back to our first love, right? Romans 12, 1 and 2, as we present ourselves to him every day as a living sacrifice. But ultimately also, what do we do? The greatest example of Hupatasso and, and Hupakuo was who? Jesus. So if you're struggling with, oh, you know, kind of maybe a pride issue and people are, if I'm going to submit, people look down on me, just think of Jesus. Greatest example we'll see next week of Hupatasso and Hupakuo, right? Submitting to his father, right? John 4, 34. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. John 14, 30. But I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. And then you know a very familiar passage in the garden. Great example here, biblical submission. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will but your will be done. Do you see the hupatasso? Voluntarily placing himself under the will of the Father. For whose benefit? Ours. Isn't that crazy? When the greater sets the terms for the lesser and the, the lesser agrees, the lesser reaps all the benefits. That's crazy. God in his grace loved us, sent Jesus. Jesus in hupatasso submits to his Father's will. Why? so we can be here this morning, so our names can be written in the book of life, right? And so I want to encourage you before we take communion, take a few moments. How are you doing with biblical submission this morning, right? Put it all aside and just say, Lord, is there an area, is there an area where I'm just, mm, I don't know about that. Come back to your first love. Think about Jesus, right? Um, if you need communion, did, did anyone grab communion on the, on the way? Okay. If you don't, uh, if you didn't, if you need a communion cup, just put your hand up, and these guys will come around and give it to you. Here's the thing. This morning, if you're new and you haven't uh, been with us before, we encourage you. It's a kind of a flip top type of thing. Remove the the bread part first. You'll flip it off. Take the bread out, then flip it over, and you can op- open it up for the juice. Okay. So, here's what we're going to do. Bill, there's one up here with Scotty. As you hold this, Angelica, do you need one as well? Okay, over there in the back. Okay, so everyone hold this right here. 
Here's the thing. We're going to sing a song, but I want you to see this today as the greatest example of Hupatasso ever for your benefit, for your benefit, right? Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He went to the cross in Hupatasso in biblical submission to his father's will. We have submitted to the father's will in putting our faith in Jesus. And so this morning, take this in remembrance of Jesus, Hupatasso, and then say, Father, help me to live my life in the same way. Just daily present myself to you as a living sacrifice, daily living in diatheke, daily trusting you that your plan is best, that your design is best. I don't necessarily understand your plan. I may not even in the flesh like it all the time, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for our time. Thank you for teaching us through your word what biblical submission means. And I pray that through your Holy Spirit, through the spirit of truth, you will make these truths uh, real in our lives. I know there's a lot of baggage and a lot of uh, worldly um, misconceptions about this word. So Father, help us to understand that you are a good God. You are a loving God. You are a gracious God. And it is our joy and privilege to voluntarily submit to you because we trust you that your plan and your design is best for this planet, for this country, for our lives. Thank you, Jesus, for the greatest example of hupatasso ever. We hold these communion elements as symbols of your submission to your Father's will and also as a springboard into our prayer for the rest of this day and into this week that we would live lives of hupatasso biblically submitting voluntarily to the goodness of your will in faith. Amen.